0: Hello and welcome to Revenue Champions with Ryan Reiser. Today I'm joined by David Delaney. He is the founder and CEO of TenBound. If you're a sales development rep in the United States, you're likely aware of TenBound, the TenBound Sales Development Conference. David puts this on every year, it's a phenomenal event. He creates a lot of content and resources for the profession, uh, but a lot of you might not know his story. If you're across the pond, you may not be aware of David, and we're excited to learn a little bit more about his story coming from learning about sales development after joining Glassdoor way back in 2011, and his journey all the way up today where he works with some of the fastest growing inside sales and sales development teams out of Silicon Valley. What he's seeing that makes a rep successful, how managers can be successful, and some other fun stories, including what he would do if he was on a beach. Uh, dig in, you're not gonna wanna miss this one. All right, welcome to another episode of the Revenue Champions Podcast. Uh, you got myself, Ryan Reiser and I am joined by a very special guest to me. I've known David for shoot. I feel like it's longer than most people have even been in their sales career or definitely sales development because you're like the grandfather of this strong movement over at Ten Bound. But we've got David Delaney. He's the founder and CEO of TenBound. Uh, for those of you joining us across the pond in the UK, you may not be familiar with him, uh, but in the US, David's done an incredible job of really being at the forefront of sales development and uh I'll let him tell you a little bit more about what he's up to, but uh just really honored to have him as a guest today as we talk about the current state of sales development and some of the things he sees uh in his practice so david um welcome to the show uh you want to introduce yourself a little bit further
1: yeah ryan i i'm it's an honor thank you for having me on uh you know we've been working together for over five years now, which like you said, it's longer than most people uh definitely in the sales development world um and so it's it's Always great to to catch up. So, uh, yeah, started Ten Bound five years ago. I had been running sales development teams at at tech companies here in Silicon Valley, and uh, and you know I saw a convergence of a lot of different factors happening, where there was a lot of people getting involved in sales development. There was a lot of technology being developed specifically for sales development. And there was just a lot of questions on best practices and, and how to execute um to drive consistent pipeline, especially at software as a service companies. And so started 10 bound. It was essentially myself working with B2B SaaS companies and writing playbooks and doing training and working with their SDR teams. And uh have just kind of grown it from there. We we um are still have an advisory arm that works with the sales development world in that area. And then we run a lot of events, um, digital and, and, uh, conference events focused in the SDR space. So.
0: So David's selling himself a little short here, but, uh, (laughs) he knows a bit about sales development. He certainly has a phenomenal perspective on the rise of the, modern sales development, tech stack, um, and brings a perspective from uh, the lens of multiple organizations at the same time. So super excited to to uh, have this conversation today. Uh, just to get started, you know, folks like you, folks like me, I'm sure you get this question often. It's like, well, why are you so excited about sales development? Why are you spending so much time in this, uh, this, uh, this like, you know, cold outreach thing? Isn't that like, It's not like what the beginners do. Uh, What got you started uh, in sales development? What kind of what's kind of keeping you in the industry?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know that that's that that's the rub. Uh, It's 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 such a big topic, and it's so critical for the success of of organizations to drive consistent pipeline and. So I, I really look at it from a strategic perspective. Um, in that you've, you've got the the marketing team who's working on the top of the funnel. You've got the sales team who's working on closing the deals, and you really need that connective tissue in between to to humanize your marketing and to and and to drive consistent pipeline. It's an evergreen problem. We've got enough work just in the sale uh, in the software industry. Um, so, and in, you know, beyond beyond there, um, all companies need a predictable sales pipeline at the end of the day. And and so, you know, I I got into it. I was um, selling sales training for a number of years, and uh, I had always wanted to get into the tech industry. And I landed a, a job um, selling. Um, Advertising for Glassdoor mm-hmm. when they just started, and um, we didn't have a sales development team, so at the same time, what year was uh, this,
0: David? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, what? this was back in 2011, 20, 000, yeah. 2011, So it's quite a while ago now, still
0: there. Um, that was like that was like right mm-hmm. when predictive revenue might have hit the shelves, right? Right around that time frame, so not, exactly, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, I got, you know, I got predictable revenue by Aaron Ross, which is, you know, was the initial Bible of this whole movement. And then uh, kind of pitched the idea to my boss of starting a sales development team. So for the first year or so, I was the sales development rep, and trying to figure out the motions and and all the stuff like that. Um, And, uh, and eventually, we had success, we started a team. And, it just became there was a lot of momentum behind what we were doing, and, and I'm getting to your question. I, I, what, what's interesting and fascinating about sales development for me is that it's, it's, um, multi-dimensional within companies. So, in other words, as the connective tissue between all these different functions, you, you, you can, you can wear different hats within yeah. the organization and and work with a lot of different people um to be successful and and you know now 10 years later we have people who are becoming VPs of sales development and they're running you know 200 300 person organizations and they have a seat at the executive table yeah. so it's just been an amazing evolution to see
0: yeah so it's it's interesting because uh, you had a pretty hot job it's funny. Glassdoor was one of my clients at the Lions. I think we might've been uh, helping you guys recruit, <laughs> recruit folks just like you to come in as AEs at that time. Um, yep. and you have an AE job at a hot tech startup, which is everybody's dream job. And you're like, you know what, I'm going to go try this new thing and start it from scratch. Uh, uh, which, which gives you a really unique perspective because you kind of saw the ground floor of the the bigger movement. I mean, lead generation has been around for, for some time. You know, I was, uh, a lead generation specialist way back in 2008, which was essentially a sales development rep, but, um, but sales development was right around that time when it really started to take off, at least in SaaS, uh, with predictable revenue, et cetera. And, and you were on the ground floor and you saw the success and then, you know, you've, you've, you've done an incredible job of really being a, a guiding beacon, a post, a drum that beats the sales development, uh, future. And it's, 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 it's inspiring. Um, with that being said, I think sales development sometimes has different definitions in different organizations, and you just kind of meant you just kind of brought that up where you're like, "Hey, it does a lot of things. It's multifaceted." But uh, do you have a way to divide, like, define sales development, like in your own words? How would you How would you define that to an organization um, mm-hmm. from your perspective?
1: Yeah, I mean, and and so there's a lot of uh there's a lot of confusion there because it's also called business development at a lot of companies. And or and marketing business development. development,
0: or yeah, marketing, account, account development, development, or yeah. development.
1: <laughs> yeah. and, um and you know, business development especially has a completely different meaning in some contexts, like driving, you know, partnerships and things like that for companies. Um, so the the way that I define it is. Um, it's it's connecting the work of your marketing department with sales and creating predictable pipeline. And so what that means is breaking out the sales position into a dedicated outbound or inbound or hybrid prospector, and then handing off the appointment or the lead after it's qualified to some extent to a salesperson so that they can really focus on perfecting their demo skills and, and the, the actual art of sales and, and um, using all the material that's created by the marketing department to be able to really focus on that front end of the process and, and uh, be able to create a predictable pipeline. Um, and so, you know, you, you, if you think about it, there's a lot of different aspects that go into it. And just going back to when I started at Glassdoor, Um, You know, there wasn't much of a marketing department there at that time. Um, And so as far as brand and, you know, developing lead generation programs and doing events and things like that, that was basically not happening. So you had a room full of very highly compensated sales professionals whose job was to close sales and everyone spent all day cold calling companies. And so that for me, it just didn't make a lot of sense, um, you know, because their jobs are just so much different. Um, and so that's when I started to pitch starting the sales development team.
0: It's really interesting the way you you define that because you say it's this in between and that's always the conversation, right? Is sales development marketing Mm -hmm. or is sales development sales? Uh, how, Mm -hmm. where would you put it? Where would you put that definition?
1: Yeah, I mean, and I just want to go go back really quickly, like salespeople always have to continually prospect. I mean, that's just a key part of the job. And and um, it's just spending all day doing nothing but prospecting and not actually selling anything. That's an issue, right? Um, yep. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. if there's any managers on the phone, it's like, you know, you, you got to think about maybe we... We you know split out the the functions into into um those those focuses but um as far as where to where to report um you know it, it's interesting it, it depends on the company a lot so if you're if it's high high um volume high velocity um you know it's it's a it's a quick um uh you know uh so type of sales process it might make more sense yeah very transactional. you know it might make more sense to have them in marketing um you know because they they have to be in real lockstep with all the other um, programs that are happening and and you've got to constantly be monitoring the the behaviors and the outcomes from a from a marketing perspective if it's a longer sales cycle with multiple players and a very short amount of uh, like an enterprise sale with a short amount of um accounts on the account list, it might make more sense to have them roll up to sales because they almost create like a pod, you know, with the enterprise account team and and really go deep on specific accounts. So it really depends. I've even heard, um, you know, some teams rolling into the operations, you know, sales or marketing or revenue mm-hmm. operations. Or um, Enablement, because- no Yeah enablement. Yeah, exactly. Cause it's, it's sort of a neutral, you know, third party between the silos that, that, uh, you know, brings them together. So, so for some companies that makes a lot of sense.
0: That's interesting. It mm-hmm. kind of makes, it actually makes a lot of sense for certain types of organizations, especially if they're getting deep in the tech stack, but uh, that'll be a mm-hmm. deeper conversation. Um, uh, and I'm, I like the way you've said that, right? The more transactional the sell, the, the, the faster it is, it's it's really like, and I, and I talk about this, as the sales development, you can kind of look at it as a, another distribution channel, an ad unit, right? Just like in marketing, you can do paid ads where you build a pretty specific list with audience and you fire off ads. Well, the sales development rep is, is a human version of that, one-to-one at scale, right? If you use it mm-hmm. right. And so it makes a lot of sense uh, for lead activation in a more transactional environment that you're really close to marketing because you can Think of them as running campaigns and there's maybe multiple different lists going on and different messaging and things like that And so being locked up with marketing makes a lot of sense and then when it's a much more It's a smaller list maybe more people within one list, but it's more strategic uh, Being in, in a closer lockstep with the sales organization as extension of the sales team uh, makes a lot of sense and um, but again, it, it does seem to depend on, you know, the culture and the and the and the work uh, the sales process for the specific organization to kind of figure some of those out. Personally, I see I still yeah. see sales development as marketing. Uh, I don't see it as sales, and so I was curious to hear your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, you'd you said it several times. They're not selling; they're prospecting, and so like yeah, prospecting is more of a marketing <laughs> initiative in my in my opinion. Although there's some crossover. Uh, so 100%. if you think about one of the things you do at at 10 bound is, is help folks, uh, build new teams, right? It's one of your, one of the things you've done a lot of, um, what are some of the things that you look at for, um, like some of the top traits that you look for in a, an aspiring SDR, or maybe a, a top SDR. Um, what makes, what makes a good SDR versus maybe, I don't know if this is cut out for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the million dollar question. Um, You know, I think um, if you've been in sales before in any sort of capacity, even if it was selling knives, you know, door to door or, or Girl Scout cookies or whatever, and (laughs) you've got an understanding of, of the motion of sales and, and the way that you handle it as an individual I think that's really, really important when looking at these these roles because um, it's going to be on steroids, <laughs> you know, when you get into this. And so, what I'm talking about is there there might be only, you know, I've seen stats like maybe five to eight percent of the market, the greater market is is you know in in market at the time and and open to having further conversations. And so, if you think about it, you're going to be talking to you know ninety. Five up to ninety-five percent of people who it's just not the right timing. It's it's not a good fit. They're not the right person. Um, they're really busy, just like all of us, and they're probably not going to be super happy with being um, you know disturbed at the time. So so from a mental uh, you know point of view, you got to be ready to be able to handle that and move on, so that you can find the the five percent and and get them get them, get them in the, in the pipeline. Um, And it's not for everybody. The, the, the thing about um, sales development though, Ryan is that um, it's a sales and talent pipeline for companies. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is yes, it's a sales pipeline as far as this team is out, you know, building sales pipeline for the sales team, but then it's also a talent pipeline and a lot of companies look at it in a way that we're going to find a players we're going to find people that are the best of the best, get them in, have them be a SDR for a year or two. And then we've got this amazing person that we can put into marketing or sales or customer service, you know, whatever they really want to do, you know? So I guess you could look at it that way as well. I mean, maybe you don't want to be in sales really, but you could use this as a way to get into a company and then go do something else.
0: That's interesting. I, I, I like that the way you position that, I I know a lot of organizations think about developing a bench of talent, uh, through sales development. Typically that, that bench is going into sales. Uh, so you're developing your sales reps through the works, but you're saying it's not just about the sales pipeline. It's the just overall talent pipeline. And, um, there's career paths from sales development that doesn't necessarily mean you're going into sales marketing is clearly there as you're on the edge you're saying customer success that makes a lot of sense to you you probably know a lot about what the market's saying and how people are using your product if you've had a lot of cold conversations uh you know you can you can help people that are coming on board it's an easier way for you to stay on top of clients to do, do the appropriate outreach so that you know they're happy and satisfied without it being reactive um i also think from my perspective the sales development is so such an important skill for anybody who's just in, interested in business in general. So if you're using like the startup, if you are the talent and you're using the startup as a way to go through starting at sales development and then working your way through some of these other roles uh is is um it's not a bad thing to do, right? Cuz if you know how to talk to strangers and you're not afraid of getting putting yourself out there in any channel, right? It could be cold calling, email, etc. You're you're really developing a strong skill set that suits you for future entrepreneurship or um, future leadership roles, those types of things. So
1: hundred percent. Yeah. I like, and, I like that. You know, I look at it, the, the, we did a blog post about this, but it's like a Venn diagram kind of, of the successful SDR. So, and, and one of them is take the time, you know, while you're in the job to learn about the industry and and the, the, the players, you know, in the industry and, you know watch the conferences and the and read the blogs and stuff like that of the industry that you're calling into so that you can build that skill because um, that's going to serve long term in any way, shape, or form, and then you've got the other the other part of it is the the sales skills like you said, you know being able to talk to strangers and stay confident and stay focused and and learn those skills and then and then it's sort of the perseverance muscle. The grit, you know, of getting up every day and, and moving through your emotional state in order to get to a goal. I mean, all, all three of those things, whether you become an SDR, you know, for the rest of your life or you move into some other thing, they're going to serve you in your career um, and, and make you better. So that's what we re- really try to emphasize that people focus on. The other quick thing is coachability. You know, and, and um, the big challenge that we see when we work with SDR teams and, you know, ones that are struggling and people that are struggling in the job is just, I mean, for lack of a better word, just being a know-it-all, like getting getting on with your manager or with a coach and just being like, I've tried everything, I'm doing everything right, I'm doing great, and you're, you know, whatever, you know, and that having that attitude, like you're going to get nowhere. You're probably you're going to fail. I mean, basically, you got to have a coachable attitude. Take some advice, go use that advice, come back and let us know how it went. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Growth mindset. You know, yeah, uh, super important. Uh, yeah. So so that that transitions nicely, and maybe that is. Your answer here. I don't know, but in your experience, what what have you seen as one of the biggest challenges that an SDR faces?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's just expectations, you know, about what the job's going to entail. And, you know, it's hard to know because, and, you know, to make a wide sweeping generalization, I mean, most SDRs are getting into this as it's the first part of their career. They just got out of school. They probably weren't necessarily studying business or sales or, you know, whatever the industry is that they're calling on, you know? So, and it's just like, Hey, I, I need to, I need to get a job and I, and software is a great industry and this gets my foot in the door. Cool. You know? And, and so the expectations are that it's going to be um, a linear thing. And when you come out of school, you know, you work really, really hard, you get gr- good grades, or at least decent grades, you get the, the ac- accolades, everybody gets a blue ribbon, you know, and, and you get out and you, you expect the world to act like that. And, um, and then it, it hits you in the face that again, only 5% of the people <laughs> out there are want to talk to you, um, at this time. So, um, I, you know, I, I would just say, uh, go, go into it with, uh, your eyes wide open about what you're going to be doing and set, set, future goals and work toward those versus getting s- sort of sucked down a negativity trap. The,
0: the, the, the interesting thing about coming out of school, which you, you said that so well is like, yeah, we are so used to this promotion every year, right? You graduate mm-hmm. a grade and move to the next grade. And all you had to do was kind of show up, get the work done and do enough. Uh, and so, you know, translating that into becoming a, a sales development rep, and putting in a year of sales development and then expecting, well, I came, I showed up, I made my dials. Um, I did exactly what I was told what's next. It's like, well, yeah, that's not how life works. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot more to it and, uh, being prepared, um, for what's going to yeah. happen. And, and you've brought this up a couple of times now with, it sounds like it's mostly outbound focused where you're like, Hey, n- only 95% of people are, are um, interested in talking to you right now in your opinion uh, right approach for tech B2b right now inbound yeah. outbound blended uh, is there one that's better than the other?
1: yeah and and just real quick on that last point is it's really important for SDRs to keep in mind that um, no matter you're probably a great person you know your parents love you, everybody loves you. But your value is really determined by the marketplace. The marketplace is going to tell you, you know, whether you're doing a good job or not. And, and the marketplace is going to reward you for what you're doing, you know. So the, the, the truth of the matter is, if you come in and you're kind of half half uh, into this and you're getting all de- down and depressed and stuff like that, you, you're just not adding enough value into the marketplace at this point you know, to get a promotion or to get a raise and all that stuff. So you got to go back in and, and, and work on your skills and, and raise your value to the marketplace in order to get those rewards. So I just wanted to, I just wanted to point that
0: out. But um, it's, it's important. Yeah. I mean, when you get into the yeah. real world, um, yeah, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> it's the, this is no harsh. It, it's not, it's not, yeah. it's not about, it's not about, um, you don't. You can't take it personal, um, you know. But no one cares about you. They only care about themselves, and and it's on you to try to, you know, show them that it's worth whatever that might be you're looking for uh, through that exchange. And if it's not, you know, I always say solve a problem or go away. But in this case, you're saying like, hey, create more value, and and get the and get the reward. Um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. So I, I like that. I like that uh, that point. Um, I think we're seeing more and more of that. Uh, unfortunately, with entitlement, uh, especially in the US at least, uh, we, we do have a generation that's coming to us that that grew up on the um, participation trophies, you know things like that. and that's hard for a lot of folks to swallow a lot of pill for those, those that generation to swallow that you know you can't always be the winner. Um, and to win, you actually have to work probably harder than you you expect and you have to do it better than everyone else. Yeah, it's not. It's not like uh, someone is picking on you because that they're getting more rewards. It doesn't really happen very often. It's because they're probably better than you. In order to get better than someone else, you either have to work harder, um, or or gain those skills, as you said. And that's a really strong message <laughs> to be bringing to the conversation, especially for some folks that are early, just getting started, because they don't. They don't. They're not. They didn't grow up with that. I'm not sure what that's it's like you. globally, but I know in the U.S. we we do suffer from that, um, unfortunately. A bit right now, so um, yeah. And
1: I mean, the fact that someone's listening to this right now, you know, it 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 tells me that they they want to master the craft and they want to you know increase their value to the marketplace by understanding these strategies and and the things that we're talking about. So, I mean, step number one is that that self education and getting better, and then and then like I said, it's it's coachability. So. Take a few of the things that we're talking about here, and and suggest them, apply them, you know, try to get better. I mean, and and that that's when you're going to start to see more money, more promotions, more success, versus that um, you know just expecting everything um, because you showed up. So, um, this, I mean, you think about yeah. Mm-hmm. It
0: sounds like this is a hot topic for you right now, which translates to another question I have around sales challenges with sales development management, but um, you you, you might be seeing a lot of this in the market. Have you been just feeling like a lot of reps are lacking that coachability these days? or maybe just seeing a little bit more entitlement. I'm curious because it seems like a hot topic for you at the moment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we um, so so one of the questions that you had was about aspiring, you know, SDR managers and how to work mm-hmm. with their teams, you know, to level up, and um, and you know, the, one of the things that uh, is sort of almost forgotten in SDR management these days is coaching. And, and um, it's, it's hard to imagine why that is, but um, there, there, I think there's so much technology in understanding the metrics and the dashboards and things like that, that, that sort, and also being remote, um, the, that coaching is is missing in a lot of ways. And, and it's also hard because you have to listen to calls, you've got to read emails, you have to spend a lot of time with the SDRs to understand how you can specifically help them and and we, we we don't see a lot of that coaching happening um out there so that's the one thing is spend most of your time as a manager for SDR should be coaching them actively listening to the calls reading the scripts reading the emails and and suggesting course corrections based on your experience um and and it is and back to your question it is a hot topic because Um, 10bound, my company will get called by executives when their manager leaves and they're kind of in between things. And so, our advisory team will come in and essentially run the SDR team for six to 12 months sometimes. And, and right, what we see over and over again is, um, there hasn't been any coaching happening, so nobody knows what. Success is supposed to look like, and then when you do start to add in some coaching, um, there's not a lot of coachability <laughs> on the point of the team, so um, it, it, it's, uh, it's it's frustrating.
0: Yeah, well, the uh, the aspiring SDR manager here, you know, if if you grew mm-hmm. up in a situation where you don't actually receive the coaching, it's hard to understand how to do the coaching yeah. as well. So you're kind of hitting on, and then if you're not coachable, um, doesn't necessarily mean you can't coach, but usually the best coaches have empathy and understand both sides of the coin here. So, um, that's, that's really interesting. I want to circle back on, and it was, it was kind of layered in there and, and we we were, you, you really wanted to hit on the coachability element, but you know, for the modern team, how do you feel about the blend of, um, how r- reps should be generating leads, uh, lead generation sales development? demand Jen, whatever ever you want to call it should it be more inbound outbound blended uh yeah. any of them better than the other uh from the uh, from what you're seeing in the market
1: yeah i mean the, so a lot of factors again based on the company the um the life cycle of the company so if you're out there right now and it's it's you and a couple of founders and you have a great product um, but you don't have any sales then yeah it's going to be all outbound <laughs> Like you gotta um, talk to as many people as you can, be, and 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 figure out what the talk track is going to be and what what gets people interested in. Uh, if you're a little bit further along and and there is some inbound, great. You know, I mean that's that's awesome Pour fuel on the fire and see what's working, and and continue to to drive that. Um, if there's so much inbound that you're not able to. Uh, keep up with it all. You may want to think about um, splitting the the sales development team into special specialties at that point. So, some companies, as they get bigger, they they have a team that's specific to inbound, and really focused on making sure that all the inbound leads are are taken care of correctly. And then another team that's one hundred percent outbound, and they're going after the big accounts, and they've got a specific account list. Um, so it, it just depends where you are in that life cycle uh, to what's going to work the best.
0: Yeah, and I, I think a lot of times uh, it likely has something to do with uh, your target market as well, right? So, some yeah. some folks are selling into markets where you can reach your audience via ads, and uh, and or you can you can find them at events. They they go to a lot of trade shows, and so you can spend time there, which generates a, a, a higher influx of inbound. But if you're in an industry where maybe there isn't those types of trade trade shows events where your audience can be showing up or they're not really spending a lot of time in in digital platforms that's also going to impact you know how you how you think about your go-to-market and how you use sales development um yeah uh, if you can't reach them if you can't reach them uh uh, via the phone for example uh well then the phone's probably not going to work uh via outbound right um but that doesn't mean that yeah. those folks might not be spending their time on different communities or at events, et cetera. So, uh, yeah,
1: I mean, and I, I think we've, you know, we've all seen sort of like clickbait, you know, on social media saying cold calling's dead or <laughs> inbound is dead, or this is dead and nothing's dead. I mean, yep. if you've been around for a while, you realize nothing's dead. That's ridiculous. I mean, um, you know, the story Iowa it's a couple of years old, but, HubSpot, you know, developed inbound marketing, they came up with that and 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 made it a big driver of their business. And, you know, what the dirty little secret is, they had a huge outbound SDR team that yep. was <laughs> like, it took up, you know, half of their, um, you know, budget. It, well, I don't know how much, but you know, the, the point I'm trying to make is the company that that developed inbound marketing as a thing and and should have logically uh had no you know outbound at all had a huge outbound team so yep. you know it it really again depends on your company and where you are in the life cycle to your point what what kind of communication your industry responds to there's a lot of factors so
0: yeah um uh, good old consultant response there, there, David. It <laughs> depends. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, dude, if I had the if I had the uh, answer
1: to any of this stuff, Ryan, I, I'd be on a beach, you know, sipping a a margarita. It's all, you know, um, it's the scientific method, and I, you're a mathematician, right? So you understand this. It's it's you know, you make a hypothesis, you test the hypothesis, you make course corrections you report back on it and then you do a new, new, hypothesis. I mean, that's essentially what sales development is. So
0: Rinse, repeat. So now yeah. I have to deviate a little bit because you say, if you could, you'd be on a beach where, what, what beach location? Cause now, now you've got me generally curious. Is this more like, oh. you know, the Caribbean beach or, you know, somewhere out in like the Asia Pacific somewhere, maybe like the Philippines. I don't know. Where, where would you, uh, I, I
1: you know that's funny because I have w- got a map back here of the Turks and Caicos. Is oh, where there we go.
0: Yeah. We
1: did our honeymoon. So I'll I'll do the Caribbean. And actually, on the on the beach, we we stayed on our honeymoon uh, back from the beach. But on the beach where we stayed, they built a Ritz Carlton. Oh. Um, I mean, so we're talking beyond belief. And I I could I could stand for a couple of weeks there at least.
0: Okay. Yeah nailed it uh, you always you always gotta know which beach you know what kind of beach are you because yeah, it, it definitely depends there's a blend of yeah. the right amount of sun to to drink volume and uh and obviously, <laughs> obviously depending on where you're at and that uh uh is that the um the equator from the equator where you're at you know it's uh it's going to be a, a different climate so Thank you for answering that. (laughs) So, getting back to the the sales topics over here. uh, What do you think about the future of our industry? Uh, You know, Hmm. there's a lot moving forward. You already hinted on the click, you call it clickbait, which is really what it is. Something's dead every year. But uh, do you have any predictions for where we're going moving into, shoot, it's already into 2023? Like, you know, if you're going in there. Yeah.
1: I, I you know I like these questions by the way this is this is good stuff um, so it, I I look at it this way I can't remember who said it but it's basically there's an article that um, at some point you have to find yourself either above the API or below yeah and and if you think about it like a lot of the functions that that we used to do just a few years ago are being automated um, and and computers can do them a lot better. They're a lot cheaper, you know, um, they always show up. They're not entitled w- no. in any way, shape or form. They're and, codable, um, maybe not
0: coachable, but they're codable. So.
1: They're codable, but they're not coachable, right? <laughs> and so anybody on the call where where we can really make a difference still as human beings, at least for the time being, is um, stay above the API. What is it specifically that human beings can still do in order to stay relevant, and, and, and especially in sales development, it's connecting the dots between um, you know, nuanced information and people and networks and, and being able to, to create messaging that, that resonates with the audience and builds relationships. Um, the computers cannot do that yet. And, and so we've got you know 10, 20 years um, of relevance. And, we, and, and it's more and more valuable. Um, you know, the, the classic funding pattern in Silicon Valley is as soon as you get some money, you invest heavily in engineering and research and development, and then you invest heavily in sales and marketing. Um, and that's us, right? So we're in pretty good shape. We, we just have, You just have to stay above the API. If, if you're doing anything that can be automated, or done by a computer better and faster and cheaper than you, I'd be very concerned right now. Very concerned.
0: <laughs> Do you have, um, I like that terminology, uh, above and below the API. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I probably read the article. Is that something you put out or is that somebody else? Uh, that
1: was somebody else. And
0: yeah. I got it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I love that visualization. Cause it makes it so much sense. Noah Goldman still hasn't published this yet, but, uh, he used to have a really good podcast. He's kind of disappeared from the the sales influencer space or leadership, with all leadership space or whatever you want to call it. But Noah Goldman had a really good podcast, enterprise sales podcast, and he has a book that he hasn't published called The Binary Principle. And he basically says the future of this stuff is um, you either need to be able to help with selection or implementation. Everything else is going to be done by the buy button, which is another visualization of the the API. But uh, above and below, that, that's a really good um, way of thinking about it. And, and again, to your point, look, if there's stuff you're doing, if you spend a lot of time developing sequences and re- running templatized messaging, and, and you're good at that, that's great. But you should probably think a little bit ahead of the, the curve there. Cause honestly, to your, you said 10 to 20 years, I don't even know if we have that much time for that type of activity. Uh, it's moving fast, you know, t- 10 years ago would have been 20, 2012, right? Yeah. Uh, 2012 uh, you know that's like the rise of uber uh, in san francisco 2012 those maybe those are just starting to get kind of popular that was when there were still black cars not the other ones that like you could request like limos and stuff 2012 so if you think about that that's mm-hmm. 10 years ago and what's happened since then with smartphones and marketplaces and all of the innovation it's 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 mind-blowing you know only 10 yeah. years behind that let's go to so this would be 20 years ago 2002 cell phones were barely a thing like it wasn't like mass market anyway if you had a phone it's like those big blocky things right uh and certainly that was when i was that was when i was in high school uh you know i I had a cell phone but it was like you know you played snake on it or something like that that's 20 years you know no internet no texting wasn't a thing uh and so as technology evolves, it it, it evolves exponentially, not linear. So it gets 10 times, you know, like you look at like the memory space, I think like 10 X's every year, like it gets 10 times better and cheaper each time. That's what's happening. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I I think like maybe five or 10 years is is really the lifespan, which don't, not to scare you, but if you think of it Mm -hmm. in the lens that you said API above and below, that's a little bit more exciting because there's always going to be, a requirement, at least I would imagine for a period of time, unless Metaverse takes over, that we still crave human interactions and and not just crave it, but it's required. Um, and that's what it's being, that, that's where it's about. Like if, I, if I'm if i hearing you, it's like, hey, be human uh, and, and do the human things Double and the sales nothing.
1: Double down, method. down on, on, on things that machines can't do. I, I'll give you a perfect example. I, I went to a, a VC conference yesterday and the whole thing was people talking about Web3. And, and the implications of, of blockchain and, and all that stuff that's that's coming. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the main things that I took away from it is the regulatory, you know, and compliance aspect of it is totally up in the air right now. Even though we've got this amazing technology and it's, it's completely game changing, it's going to completely re- rewire the business world, what's missing is, human beings that are specialized in regulatory and compliance and can connect the dots between web 2.0 and web 3.0 so right there it, we've created an entire huge ecosystem and opportunity for human beings mm-hmm. um out of the technology so that that for me that gives me a lot of hope because uh just just computers are great they can make the blockchain and they can you know create uh, all these efficiencies but they still need somebody who can go to washington dc and and talk about all that stuff and and solidify it so i i'm positive about this whole thing and and i mean, just reeling it back to sales it's like you know a computer a, a cadence and having all the best tools and shiny objects on your computer could not replace me walking around this VC conference and pitching people about what TenBound does and getting business cards. I mean, people were, these people were over 40, right? So they still have these business cards, which probably <laughs> wait, nobody what, even knows. Wait, what's that? what's that? And what's that? But I got a bunch of business cards and and that was just me walking up to people and being like, Hey, I, you know, how you doing? And yeah. So.
0: Yeah. It's uh. I, I just I like that visualization though above and below the API. That's um, yeah. really good. Um, so, couple last couple questions as we as we wrap mm-hmm. things up here, David. I Really appreciate your thoughts mm-hmm. and insights. Uh, it's a great conversation. Um, knowing what you know now, if mm-hmm. if you could have known something a little bit earlier in your career, and it sounds like you've been on the forefront, you know your glass door movement even before mm-hmm. it was really a thing. So maybe you don't maybe you don't know maybe you've always been ahead of this, but if you've known something earlier in your career, um, is there anything that you wish you would have known earlier so that you could take advantage of it that maybe took you a while to figure out? Maybe it's coachability.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Buy real estate, (laughs) especially if you live in San Francisco. Um, No. And that's actually good advice. If there's any, you know, 25 year olds on the call, just buy it. And (laughs) just don't, don't, wait to buy real estate buy real estate wait you know when you're my age so uh but for sales i i would say um you know the big revelation is and you said it earlier ryan nobody cares about you at all they're not thinking about you um and this is includes your boss and your customers and your prospects and and all that stuff nobody cares nobody's thinking about you at all and if they are it's for a split second. They are thinking about themselves and, and what they're doing and what they're going to eat for lunch and all the stuff on their to-do list and all the stuff that they have to do. So it's very liberating. Um, and the earlier that you can get this, the better, because it wipes away um, any insecurity or shyness or you know, your, your lack of confidence that you have in sales nobody cares. So, you know, go go out with the attitude that you're going to try to help them solve a problem and try to learn as much as you can about them and their problems, and then just approach them as a problem solver. And if they don't need your help at the time, then you made a friend and, and, you know, if they're mean to you and they hang up on you and stuff like that, they just didn't have that problem right now, or maybe they're just mean, you know? Um, So you just move on, but yeah.
0: Yeah. That's it's a it's a big one. It's it takes a long time to yeah. recognize that, but it's liberating. I'm glad you brought that one up. It is liberating when you don't care, detach, as Josh Braun would say. Um, yeah. So, uh, and, and then Easier last, done. <laughs> so there's gonna be yeah. two more questions, uh, yeah. that I want to get through. One more from this interview, and then the one we like to ask every guest here. But uh, any, yeah. as you look back on, and you've you've had a chance to work with some really smart people. Um, what was the best advice you've ever received? Uh, best sales advice.
1: Best sales advice. I, is some of the best salesmen or salespeople you know that I've worked with—they um, speak the language of their customer. So the first thing that they do when they come in to a new company or a new industry or you know a new uh, set of accounts that they're calling on is they make a lot of effort into understanding the vocabulary that their customers use and, and, um, and, and the problems that the customers are trying to solve. Um, And, and they, they, they don't spend a lot of time. I mean, this is counterintuitive, but they don't spend a lot of time learning about the product Mm. or the bits and the bytes and all the different whiz, uh, whiz bang things that their product does. They spend all the time at the beginning, understanding that vocabulary because then every time they're engaging with a with one of those people they're throwing out the words that that the people understand and that creates rapport and then they can actually start talking about the product so that's your homework
0: so the advice is don't no one cares about you they also don't care about your product but they do care about themselves and their industry problems and if you if you if you you spend time become an industry expert, or at least understanding the lingo, that'll help you advance a lot faster. Uh, yeah, that, that's huge. Anyway,
1: Ryan, and just real quick, I mean, we both have been the same. We're, we're bootstrappers who are running companies and, and trying to do a million things all at the same time. We've got a list of problems, folks, that's about four pages long that we're trying to solve. So if somebody came along and, and said something about all these things that, that uh, I'm trying to deal with, I'd take that call all day. But if somebody comes along and they're just like, here's what I got, you know, here's what I'm selling and, and, uh, you know, more likely than not, I'm just, it's just noise.
0: Yep. Last question. We always ask our um, guests, come on, if you had an extra 50,000 pounds, 50,000 pounds to invest in uh, sales development, marketing programs, how would you spend it?
1: Fifty thousand pounds. I'm just doing the math. So I know it's having...
0: grand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I don't know what the exchange you just, rate is. You today. just did that calculation. I still don't know what it is. I have to calculate it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: you know, and I I understand the context of the conversation, but um, data is really the lifeblood of sales development. Uh, it's the oxygen that we breathe. Um, you know, if you think about it, if you don't have good data. Um, the data is not compliant. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's old, it's outdated. It's, it's not fresh. Do um, you just, you're not sorry. You, you have no, um, you know, uh, runway. I mean, you, you, because no matter how great you are and how, you know, how much uh, studying you've done and you've got the vocabulary, you got the sales pitch, if you're not able to connect or talk to anybody you're in big trouble. So I, I'd probably sync that in to data.
0: That was a, so, uh, have you heard of Cognizant? <laughs> so,
1: they, 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 they,
0: thank you so much for, uh, uh, giving us your time today. I know you're a busy person out there running, you know, events all the time. I mean, this guy's a machine content machine is my nickname for him. Uh, but really appreciate your your uh, time today. Uh, folks want to get a hold of you. They like what you said today. Uh, maybe they're looking for some of your services or have some questions. How how can they reach out?
1: Yeah, I mean, I would jump on the newsletter. I mean, that's it comes out once a week and it gives you a rundown of everything that we're working on and if, if we could potentially help. So it's just over at tenbound.com. boundcom 10bound.
0: T-E-N. Bound, that's uh, T-E-N- N-
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yep. No, go ahead. I didn't mean to uh,
1: T-E-N-B-O-U-N-D.com.
0: And you know, find a newsletter there. It's a great resource to stay in touch with David. David, thank you so much. Uh really appreciate your time today.